Welcome to the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. I'm Derek Glover, preacher of the Monroe Church of Christ in Monroe, Wisconsin, and I want to thank you for joining us. I hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment or a review on iTunes, and share it with a friend, family member, co-worker, or someone that you think would be interested to know more about our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're continuing our series this morning on the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5, and we are moving to the trait or the characteristic of patience. Patience, um, boy, this is not one I'm really qualified to speak on, I'll be honest. I'm not a very patient person. Uh, Not exactly a fruit that I'm often bearing, it seems. Uh, This one I have to work at quite a bit, uh, personally. I think that's true for a lot of people. Uh, Human beings are not great at patience, especially not anymore. We live in a world that does not do anything to encourage patience. We live in a world of instant things and on-demand things. And I can remember when I was a kid, uh, if there was a TV show I wanted to watch, I had to wait till a certain night of the week and a certain time, and then it would come on. And if I missed it, I missed it. Now, maybe I, I could set the VCR to record it on a tape, and, and I could watch it back later, you know, and then my dad would probably tell me, well, back in my day, we didn't even have that, and we only had three channels, and if the president was on making a speech, that was your whole night shot, because he was on every channel. So, every, you know, everybody has different experiences, but as time has gone on, technology has changed, and... Our brain chemistry and our wiring has changed that we demand things when we want them. And it's harder and harder now to survive, it seems, or to tolerate not having something when we want it. My children cannot understand the concept of a television show or a movie they want to watch not being available somewhere, somehow, almost instantly. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a strange concept to them. We define patience oftentimes as waiting for what we want, Uh, being willing to wait and endure a period of time to get to what we want. Now, that that only defines how we handle externalities. That's just one definition of patience, and that has more to do with how we tolerate certain things than it does defining what patience as an attitude or as a fruit of the Spirit truly is. That kind of patience is the patience of waiting on things beyond our control. Things that even if we had the power to change, we couldn't. Waiting, if you have a loved one that's expecting a child, they're going to wait nine months or somewhere close to that if you're going to carry a baby to full term. There is almost nothing you can do to make that happen any sooner. And you certainly don't want to. That's just the way it was designed. Christmas Day, how many kids shake the presents under the tree, try to snoop around the house and figure out what it is that they're getting? We all do it. They all do it because we have trouble waiting on a day that we can't change December 10th into December 25th, no matter how hard we try. And so the way we define patience typically is how we handle the things outside of ourselves that we can't change or control. Do we wait Do we carry that with grace and with dignity? Or do we whine and complain waiting for the thing that we want? Um, Vacation days, trips that are planned, exciting 
uh, events that we have going on. We struggle to wait for those things and we struggle with patience. That's the normal part of the human brain, anticipating something, excited for something, wanting something. But it's only one dimension of what patience really is and how it's described in Scripture. That kind of patience is almost never mentioned in the Bible. The waiting for things that we have no control over, externality stuff. Uh, that's not the kind of patience that is often talked about. Patience as a fruit of the spirit, uh, is, excuse me, as a fruit of the spirit, is not merely a quality that one has. It is the result of having God living in us and having that Holy Spirit guiding us and directing our lives. And it takes many, many forms. Uh, the verse that Thomas read shows us one of those forms. In Romans chapter 5, and we'll just read from the beginning of that chapter. This, was, uh, this is a verse that we looked at last week dealing with peace. Because verse 1 of Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with our Lord through Jesus Christ. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this. But we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. <clears throat> Patience, in this context, as Paul writes, is endurance or perseverance. And notice that Paul even draws the connection that we are able to endure and withstand and persevere in trials because of the Holy Spirit. Because God's love has been poured out through Christ and through him we have this Holy Spirit. We can stand firm in trial and tribulation and endure and persevere in spite of those things. And that perseverance will produce byproducts, things that are good for us. You know, the human body... Uh, the power of metabolism is really pretty amazing. There are things that we can put into our body that our body can break down and use in certain ways. It's the way that vitamins work and minerals work. It's the way all the different things that are on the little label on the food we eat work. Some of them produce good things. Some of them produce bad things. And supplements, nutritional supplements. Clearly, I'm not a connoisseur of nutritional supplements, but... I do know a thing or two from what I've heard and been told and read that there are nutritional supplements that supply you with the exact thing it says on the label. And those are pretty good, and your body will metabolize them and burn them off, and they last for a certain amount of time. But the better ones are the ones that have not only the primary ingredient, but then all these other ingredients that the body will break down that either increase how much your blood can absorb that good thing, or it will cause the body to produce more of something that is helpful. It has various ingredients and various different things that not just provide the primary thing you need, but help to make it better by the way your body responds to it. This is how patience works within us. That when we have trial and we are patient with it and we persevere with it, it produces further good things. There's a chain reaction of positivity. Because if we endure that perseverance, we, are, we become stronger in character. And when we're stronger in character, we're people of hope. Now, how can tribulation and trial produce hope? Through the Holy Spirit. 
through the love of God, his son Jesus, and the spirit that dwells within us, Romans chapter 5, the first five verses, directly correlate to the idea that Paul would later write in Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the spirit includes patience. The Holy Spirit within us produces patience. We have the confidence to endure the trials of this world because we have faith. When I was younger, growing up going to camp down in Arkansas, we had this counselor one year, and this is when we were pretty young, and he liked to tell ghost stories at night, scary stories. And he would do it every night. It was like a two-week session. You know, the fourth or fifth night, he's telling these scary... And that always started with, you know, a story about... Once upon a time, there were these young boys in a cabin, and it's like, oh, that could be us. Um, and and it, they were always, you know, thrilling, kind of suspenseful stories. There was this one kid who came for the second week, and, and so he was new, and we had already been through a week of these scary stories. And the first night, the counselor told this scary story, and this kid is freaked out. He said, how are you not scared? How are you not scared? And I thought about it, and I thought, well, I mean... It's been a week, and they always have a good ending. And really, as I've gotten older, I've realized it's not just that I was used to it. I knew who was telling the story. I knew how that story was going to end for me. As Christians, we have a great advantage in facing this life. We know who is writing our story. We're still living it. We're still discovering it. We're still reading it and hearing it. It's still being told, but we know who's written it. The God of the universe has written our story. And our confidence comes from knowing who is telling our story. The second kind of patience we read about in Scripture is probably the closest to the kind of patience that we require in our own lives that we think about often, and that's patience with others. This is, I, I, you know, if you've ever been in traffic and you're in a hurry to get somewhere, this is where patience with, particularly if it's someone with Illinois license plates in front of you, no offense, Cleone, but once you cross that border, no one down there knows how to drive. We all know that. It's hard to be patient with people sometimes. We're flawed people. And when someone's inconveniencing us or troubling us or getting in our way, we suddenly forget about all of our flaws and we just focus on theirs. And it's very difficult to be patient with other people. We often want other people to, to get it together, get their life in order, stop causing us inconvenience because you're ill-prepared or something like that. We get tired of waiting. We get tired of being put out or inconvenienced because of other people. We get tired of working so hard when others don't seem to be working as hard as we are. Paul writes about this too, 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. Paul is encouraging Timothy here to be aware 
that there are some things that are going to happen, some people that are going to lead others astray that uh, you, you're going to need to watch out for and you're going to have to be prepared for and you're going to have to be patient, he says, in dealing with these things. He says in verse 6, in pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ. Jesus constantly nourished uh, on the words of the uh, faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. Uh, he, he wants Timothy to be prepared for the fact that there are going to be those who are mistaken. There are going to be those who preach the wrong thing and there are going to be those who say harmful things and those who believe them. And later he'll write to Timothy and he'll say the verse that we all know so well, preach the word in season and out of season. And how does he tell him to preach the word? With patience. With patience. Preach the word. Because there's going to come a time when they're not going to want to hear the right thing. They're going to want to seek out the wrong thing that makes them feel good. But preach the word with patience. This is a hard one to remember. Uh, people who do what I do, and I have the benefit of never having been formally trained as a preacher, but most of those who have been formally trained know that verse very well. They are told to preach the word. They're told to uh, in, be prepared to give an answer in season, out of season. Preach the word. Yet they forget that qualifier that Paul gives Timothy with patience. With forbearance. Because not everybody's going to listen. Not everybody's going to hear you. Not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody is going to... Uh, be on the same page with you all the time. And sometimes you're going to be wrong too, by the way. Preachers have to remember that. With patience for one another, we encourage one another and we teach one another. Ephesians, we're looking at a lot of what Paul has to say and that's important because, <coughs> excuse me, because Paul often ties the idea of patience, whether it's endurance or whether it's walking a journey with one another, to the Spirit. There in chapter 4 of Timothy in verse 1, he says the Spirit. If you go back a little bit to his letter, excuse me, to the Ephesians, in chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, and with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to persevere the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He goes on from there to talk about that unity, one baptism, one faith, etc. But a key ingredient of maintaining that unity, Paul says, is to have a Spirit-led patience with one another to be gentle with one another, have humility and a patience to, to preserve the unity of the Spirit. Here we see patience once again tied directly to the presence of the Spirit. Where there is the Spirit, there will be patience. And why do we do this? Why do we seek a patience with one another because we understand that God himself is patient with us. Second Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. Let's begin in verse 8. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with 
the Lord, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like one day. Verse 9, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Peter there is talking about the coming days, the, the coming of Christ, this promise of eternal life. And, you know, here we are a couple thousand years later and we're still waiting. And can you imagine it being just maybe a few years after Christ has gone to heaven that they're already saying, well, when's he coming back? Hurry up. They're losing patience already. They're getting impatient about Jesus returning. And here we are later still waiting on the same thing, but still the same message is true for us. Time is different with God than it is for us. And so God's not being slow. He's not taking a long time. Jesus isn't waiting a long time by his definition. Okay? He's not being slow by the way we define being slow. What he's doing is he's waiting on us. He's being patient. That's what Peter says. But he's patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. In other words, God says, I'm going to give you guys some time to straighten up. I'm going to give you some time to tell some other people about me. I'm going to give you some time to evangelize this world. To build my kingdom. And to come to me. We see the patience of God demonstrated toward his people. Toward us repeatedly in scripture. And our encouragement is uh, from, from scripture to continue to be faithful and continue to be patient with one another because God has been patient with us. Go back to Timothy. Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1, in fact. Verse, 16, or verse 15. Is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his Perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Paul says, I myself was the worst of the worst. I didn't even know it. But God chose me and he saved me. And his son came to me and called me. He had mercy on me when he shouldn't have. And I have become the prime example of the patience of Christ. The patience of our Lord, Paul says. And for that reason, I'm going to continue seeking others. We walk in patience with one another. We get tired sometimes of waiting on people to accept that which we are telling them. We get tired of people constantly coming and going with Christ. They seem so on fire for the gospel and then we don't see them for a while. And then they come back to us and then they go away. And the interest, we just have, it's so hard to walk with people through that journey of coming to know Jesus. But we do it because God did it with us. Because of the patience we have been shown and we have been given, we walk that journey as well. Patience is also waiting on God to work. Waiting on God to do what God will do. Waiting on him to move in a situation where we have a need. Sometimes, <coughs> excuse me, 
sometimes it's very easy. It's our human nature to have a plan B. To say, yeah, we're going to pray to God, but just in case God's not listening, I'm going to do this and that and the other. I'm going to be prepared in case God says no. Part of that is the practicality of our brain. Part of that is our minds uh, understanding what's real and tangible. And I think prayer can be misused. You know, I think, I think prayer can be misunderstood and, and misused, and the answers to prayers can be misinterpreted. But I also think we, we do things that reveal a little bit about how much we're willing to wait and trust in God's timing. When we pray things like, return them to a measure of health. Why not restore them fully? Why not heal them completely? Because it's easier for us to accept that God might give them a measure of health back instead of all of their health back. And it's a way that, whether intentionally or unintentionally, we're hedging our bets against what God might do in response to us. We pray for the doctors and nurses that will be tending to people. And rightly so that we pray for those who are giving care to others to strengthen them and, and all. But we should pray for the person on the table if that's who we're concerned with. But we like to put that little extra layer in there because whether we mean to or not, we're hedging our bets. We're, th we're having a plan B in the back of our mind. When we're told to pray with boldness and ask God for exactly what we need and exactly what we want, be willing to accept no. And I've said often, and I'll continue to say, that true faith is not simply believing that God can do something amazing or miraculous. True faith is following him even when he chooses not to. Those are the words of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As they're being prepared to be thrown into the furnace, they say to the king, hey, we know that our God is going to protect us and save us from this fire. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow to you. Even if God chooses not to act and I die, I am still going to follow him and I will not give in to this world. That is true faith. Not simply believing God's going to bail you out, but being willing to follow him into the fire knowing he might not. That's a type of patience that the Bible talks about. A waiting. There's the patience of enduring trials. We can talk about the patience of walking with other people on a spiritual journey that may be difficult and trying sometimes. But the most important patience that is demonstrated by a spirit-led life is a willingness to wait on God. To wait on the Lord and to let him move in his time to not be concerned with a plan B, to not be in a hurry to do it ourselves, but to truly surrender to our Savior and to our God. And we know well the verse in Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 30. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength they will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. An entire world of thriving success and perseverance is waiting for us if we hand over control to God. 
a life that we can't understand. You know, it's been long enough since I could run distances and not get tired that I've almost forgotten what that felt like. I can remember in high school, when I was probably in the best shape of my life, my senior year of high school, uh, when I played baseball, and you don't even have to be in great shape to play baseball, so let that hedge a little bit on what I'm saying. And we would run foul poles for conditioning, meaning we'd run from right field foul pole to left field foul pole, back and forth. There's so many of those uh, down and back. That's a pretty good distance to even just jog, much less kind of run with some swiftness. And we go back and forth. We might do five or six of those back and forth. That's a long way. It'll wear you out, but I could do it. And now, I mean, like getting to first base would be a big ask for me, okay? And I don't hit for power, so I'm never getting on. It's been long enough now that I've almost forgotten what it's like to run a long way and not get tired. Because that's what happens when we get old. That's what happens when we get old. We break down. We lose our strength. We lose our endurance. We lose our vitality. Our, our, our pharmaceutical uh, industries are constantly promoting various drugs that will help restore those things to us. And give us energy and, and help us to, to feel better even in our older ages. And what does the prophet say? As old men get older, they lose physical abilities as bodies break down. But not only that, something else happens to us when we get older. We grow bitter. We grow cynical. The disappointments of our life pile up. I never became what I thought I would become. I never had what I thought I would have. These things didn't turn out the way I wanted them to. When we get older, our bodies aren't the only thing that break down. Our love of life sometimes breaks down. Bitterness and cynicism will eat away at us because of constant disappointment, because trusting in ourselves and in others will constantly disappoint us. But what does the prophet say? That those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles, run and not get tired, walk and not become weary. And it's not just the physical that changes when we're patient with the Lord. In fact, more than anything, it is that emotional and spiritual health that is restored. If you trust in this world and rely on this world, you will be disappointed, bitter, cynical, and broken down. If you trust in the Lord and you wait on Him, if you will endure the trials of this world and persevere through pain, if you will walk with others, encourage one another, and teach others, and if you will wait on God to move and act because your faith is such that you believe He will, then you will have an everlasting youthfulness in your soul. One that is consistently described in Scripture as coming from the Spirit. The patience that is the fruit of the Spirit is described by Paul and others as that which produces a perseverance and an endurance in this world, a mentality of walking with others and serving them even when it's hard, and a willingness to wait on God. And ultimately, the virtue of patience is just that. The surrender of control. The giving up of this notion, this false notion, that we 
can really do anything about the things we'll face in this life. Hey, there are things I can change. There are things I can work at. I, I can go get a new job if I want to or try to. I can go work somewhere else. I can live. Not that I want to. Don't get excited. Um, there are things I can do, but to truly change anything in life is often beyond me. And certainly getting to heaven is not within my power. God has done it through Christ. Salvation and living a saved life that's spirit-led is ultimately a question of surrender. And surrender comes from a heart that is willing to be patient. This morning, if you need to surrender yourself to him, to hand over your life to God through Jesus Christ, we want to offer an opportunity and an invitation for you to do so as we stand together and while we sing. Thank you for joining us for the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. We hope that you have found today's message to be uplifting, inspirational, and encouraging. Most of all, we hope that it helps you along your spiritual journey. If you have any questions or comments or would like to drop us a line, you can do so at MonroeWICOC at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and we look forward to you joining us next week.